Now notice in the next verse, where he says in verse 13, Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and saith unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of. He said, I will give it to your seed, and they shall inherit it for how long? Forever. Did God make a promise? There's a promise that God made. But he also made another promise that if you rebel against me, I'm going to take you out of the land and scatter you upon the face of the earth. So which one do you think they chose? They chose to be separated from their land by their wicked decisions. And it didn't have to happen that way. But God told them this is what's going to happen. But they forgot. They forgot to be faithful to God. They didn't remember all the things that God has done. They forgot His word. They forgot His warnings. And you'd be surprised how many times we forget that God is going to chasten disobedience, chasten rebellion. You and I cannot live as we please and get away with it. There is a price for us to pay. Look at the uh, next one. Numbers 11 and verse 5 says, We remember. Now, things have been going pretty bad in the wilderness. And they, yes, they griped and grumbled, murmured and complained. But now notice what they remember. They forgot about, you know, those taskmasters and the slavery they were under and how hard it was. They forgot about they passed a law saying you must abort all the male children. And they cried to God. They forgot all about that. And notice what he says. We remember when we were down in Egypt, the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, freely. They were slaves. Dumb, dumb. And he says, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onion and the garlic. Yes, I just love onions and I just love garlic. They forgot the misery they were in. Why? Because now it seems so hard. I've watched people make promises to God when they were in the hospital. Oh, preacher, pray, pray for me that I can get well. Why? Why do you want to get well? I don't want to die. Why not? Well, I want to live. Well, why do you want to live? Why do you want to live? To continue in your rebellion? I told one person, I says, I'm not praying for you to get well. He says, what? You're the preacher. I says, I'm not going to. I says, if I realize that you want to get well so that you can serve God, fine. I says, but that's not, your, that's, that's not mine either. I'm out of here. And I walked out. You say you shouldn't do that. Yes, I will do that. You play games with God. I'm not playing games with you. I got better things to do with my time and my prayers. I'll pray God chasten and discipline you until you wake up and decide, I'm going to serve God. If not, then let God take you home. You said, that's not right. Yes, it is. You read the book. I already read it. I know what God's Word says. And I love it. I love what God says. But anyway, as we're moving right along here, look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 18, there in your notes. Thou shalt not be afraid of them, but shalt well remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt. Do you remember? See, God does not always make you remember. 
He just makes you wish you had remembered. You're responsible for the control of your mind. Now, sometimes, and I have a bad problem with this, remembering names. Now, I remember Mary. I remember Valerie. I just met him just a minute ago. But I was in the office the other day, and I asked Greg to come in the office, and he came in. I'm sitting there at my desk, and Greg's sitting there. Is Greg in here now? Greg? Yeah, yeah. And I'm sitting, I was going to write something. I can't remember what it was. And I said, uh, what's your name? Didn't I, I, Greg? I said, what's what's your name? Greg Greg looked at me and he tilted his head. He says, you know my name. I said, Greg, right now, I didn't say Greg. I said, right now, I don't don't know your name. He says, Greg. I wrote it down. I said, what's your last name? Now, my mind will just go totally blank, and I have no clue what your name may be. It's not new. I've been doing this for 50 years. So far, I have not forgot my wife's name. Like this one man. He was out with his wife and a couple of others. And they were sitting around talking and having a good time. And every time he'd say, honey, sweetie pie, you know. Real nice, wonderful, you know, name. And so the ladies got up, went to the restroom, and the guy that was sitting there, he says, uh, I'm really impressed that you always address your wife as sweetie, honey, something like that. He said, to tell you the truth, he said, I forgot her name 20 years ago. <laughs> Some of y'all are going to go home and ask, what's my name? When were we married? I love it when I ask, how long is your anniversary? (laughs) She looks at him. 29 years? 28. He says, it seemed like 29. (laughs) But you sometimes have trouble with your mind. This is why you don't think you need church all the time. Well, I know the Bible. Yeah, but you'd be surprised how much you forget. And you need to hear it over and over and over again. Things you've already heard, already know, but you'd be surprised how easy it is to forget. Because if you don't use it, you'll lose it. Don't use it, you'll lose it. Look at the next scripture. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness. Why? To humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. You see, God can always say, I know everything before anybody does it. But you don't know it. And God wants you to know what he knows. So he will test you and try you. And you'd be surprised what God will do in your life. See, the most important thing you can ever do is, remember, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor and so on. So those are two of the greatest commandments in the law. But those things were not changed just because we have the New Testament. Are we not still supposed to love the Lord? Now we can love the Lord. And we are commanded to love one another. Now we can love one another. So the Bible tells us this is what God wants us to do. And so there's things God's going to do to test you to see whether or not how much do you love Him? How much do you love Him? Men, Picture that good-looking blonde bombshell as she walks by. Do you love God? Do you want to please God? 
more than yourself with that good-looking blonde bombshell? You see, your love is your restraint upon doing something God forbids. When you don't have the love for the Lord and want to please the Lord, then when He's out of the picture, you please me. It's my joy, my habit, whatever I want to do. And there's not that restraint. So God said, if you love me, if you love me, serve me. And if you serve me, he says, my father will honor you. But nobody can make you love God. Nobody can actually make you love anybody, can they? Nobody can make you love anybody. And so many people don't. When sin abounds, love dissipates. Where there is no love, sin abounds. Look at the next statement. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. Notice what he says. This is an awesome verse. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, that for it is He that giveth thee power to get wealth. God has put you into this world, and you're the one, if you'll obey the Lord, God says, He's the one that can give you the power to get wealth. Now, I'm not on this health and wealth kick that everybody should be wealthy. No, but this is talking to the children of Israel and how God was going to bless Israel. And so because of their obedience to God, God had promised they wouldn't have to have a health care system. I'll put none of these diseases upon you. They wouldn't have to worry about none of that stuff. And if the children obeyed their parents, they could live a long, healthy life. There's all kinds of things that come with obedience to God. But if you don't, there's a price to pay. Look at the next verse. Deuteronomy 9, 7 says, Remember and forget not how thou provokest the Lord thy God to wrath in the wilderness from the day that thou didst depart out of the land of Egypt until ye came unto this place. Ye have been rebellious against the Lord. And God was angry with them. Let me ask you a question. I asked this in Sunday school. Is it possible that you as a child of God can make God angry at you? As a child in your family, have you ever done or said anything that made your parents angry and upset with you? Now, isn't it true that the more obedient you are, the more freedom you have? And then when you become rebellious, they tighten up and they limit you ground you, whoop you, no money, no this, none of that. You'd be surprised how that obedience brings more freedom. And if you don't obey the Lord, you'll lose your freedom because God's going to clamp down on you. And you'd be surprised how God can dry up things in your life. There's a God we serve. He's not sleeping. He's aware of everything that goes on. So, I would suggest, don't make God angry. I told you this, but let me just throw it out very quickly. I was in Pueblo, Colorado. Trina brought the grandkids down. They were just little tykes in, four, five, six years old. Now I was staying at the house over there where a little man lived, and uh, there was a church over there where we had our radio station. And the two little kids were out there on the bicycles. And little Melanie was trying to get her bike to go. But every time she put her foot on the pedal and she stood up to do it, her foot would slip off and the bike would fall over on her. She got mad. 
So she tried it again. Papa sitting there watching how she's going to learn and develop and learn how to do it. So I watched her. She got that bike and she put her foot on it and got ready to stand up on it and her foot slipped off of it, it hurt her leg, it fell over on her and she got up and she let out a string of cuss words you wouldn't believe. So I'm standing over there on the porch and I heard my granddaughter. So I hollered out loud enough for her to hear. I said, what did you say? And Michael was right there. He said, she said, I really didn't want her to repeat it. When I said, what did you say? Well, Michael, God bless him. So the moral of the story is don't make Melanie mad. Have you ever found out how to tee off somebody? You know, you know just the right button to push. Have you lived long enough with your mate to know, if I do this, they'll do this? I told people in marriage counseling, find out what irritates your mate and avoid it. Some people find out what irritates their mate and do it. Then know how they're going to respond. And then they get mad because of the way they respond, but they stirred them up. You'd be surprised to stir people up to do the wrong thing. We were talking about Jezebel, how Jezebel stirred up O Ahab. And you'd be surprised there's always a Jezebel trying to stir the pot. And knowing that they can start a fight very quickly, sometimes over nothing. Look now in the next one. Deuteronomy 32, verse 7 says, Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee thy elders, and they will tell thee. In other words, there's people that have lived before us that have probably a lot of wisdom and can give good counseling, so you want to listen and learn. Now, some people live and learn, and some people live and never learn. Some people never want counseling, never want to take advice. You start telling them, I know, I know, I know, I know. And you start telling them something, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And you know they don't know. But they never let you finish. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. Always got to stop it. I know, I know. And you talk to yourself. Mm. Because if they were so smart and they didn't know it, why did you do it? But as we run along, you know we have a bunch of politicians today that don't remember the Constitution. And the reason is because they never knew it. They've never heard of the Bill of Rights. So they just do whatever they want to do and try to cram it down our throat. And one of the greatest things we can do is to look at our federal government and say, no, no. We are not bound to obey any unrighteous laws. In case you didn't know that. You as an American citizen have the right and the duty to rebel against any unconstitutional law. There, I said it. Now we'll move right along. Look at the next one. Psalms 89. Now I want you to see this verse. I want you to go there. Psalms 89. Psalms 89. But look there, first of all, in verse 1. Psalms 89 and verse 1. 
there's a verse here that, it's an awesome verse. And this is on page 642 in the Old School for Reference Bible. But in verse 1 it says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness unto all generations. Now, that is a good verse to know. But one of the best ways to remember this, ver- remember this verse is to put this verse into a song. And this verse goes like this. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing, I will sing, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness, thy faithfulness. With my mouth will I make known Thy faithfulness to all generations. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. How many of y'all have heard that before? Why didn't you sing it with me? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. If you remember it, sing it with me. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing, I will sing, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness, thy faithfulness. With my mouth will I make known Thy faithfulness to all generations. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. Well, now that you're in this verse, now look there at the next verse. 47, verse 47, and you ought to underline this verse in your Bible. Remember how short my time is. Have you ever thought about how short your time? Do you remember you're not here forever? Your life in this world is temporary. It's short. It's as a vapor, a pillar of smoke. It's like the grass of the field. It's a flower today and it withers tomorrow. You're not going to last forever. We're just passing through. And that's why... Only what's done for Christ will last. Only when life soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. You've heard that. It's a good statement, and it's very, very true. Look at the next statement. Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake, and will not remember thy sins. Isn't that a good promise? If God forgives you of your sins, he said, I will not Remember your sin. Cast into the depths of the sea, as far removed as the east is from the west, never to come back again. I had a man tell me one time, he said, I prayed to God to to do this, and I've asked him a thousand times to ask that he'll forgive me. I said, wait a minute. How many times do you think you have to ask God to forgive you? You just asked 999 times too many times. When you confess things to God, God says He forgives and forgive yourself. 
Don't keep living in guilt. It's like a person walking in that door and they're just loaded down with these burdens. Got a big old sack full of burdens. They walk down here. You know, as the Bible says, casting all of your care upon the Lord. So I think, <coughs> throw all of their cares down. Lord, I cast my cares upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Get up, pick up the sack, and walk out with it. Duh. When you cast it on the Lord, what are you worried about? It's too heavy for him to carry. He can't handle it. I can tell you this, God can handle it. Now, look at the next statement. Ezekiel 20, 43, I want to read this to you. And there shall ye remember your ways and all your doings, wherein ye have been defiled, and ye shall loathe yourself in your own sight for all of your evils which you have committed. You see, children of Israel disobeyed God. And so Isaiah, Jeremiah, warned them, hey, Babylon's coming, and they're going to take you captive. And so they were in captivity. And then 70 years later, they got to come back, and when they saw the walls destroyed, the temple destroyed, everything gone, and we're like, this is because of what we did. And they remember, he says, the day will come when you'll remember why this happened. You see, a lot of times adults in, later on in life are remembering their failures, their wrong decisions, how they blew it, and then suffering the consequences and carrying a load of guilt that they should have confessed to the Lord years before. And always bringing up the past, bringing up the past, which it can never change. Be wise. But always understand, when you see what disobedience has cost you, you ought to be able to sit in, in my, your mind, if you haven't taken care of it between you and the Lord, realize my disobedience has cost me something. You may not know to the extent of what it's cost. You never will until you get to heaven. Find out what God could have done. And then we have here in Luke where he says, Abraham says to the man that was in hell, remember that thou in thy lifetime, you, you had everything you wanted. Lazarus didn't have anything. And now you're tormented and he's comforted. Do you remember that? Do you realize that people, when they go to hell, are going to have a memory? They're going to remember. They'll remember. It'd be one thing if you could do away with your memory. There's nothing to remember. No guilt to feel. No sin to recall. No rejection of Christ. But they will remember. They will remember. Look at uh, the last verse down here. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 17. And their sins and iniquity will I remember no more. Look up here. Letting this hand represent you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God says that he loves us, but he hates what we do wrong. God hates the sin. And because of sin, we can't get into heaven because heaven is a perfect place. And you and I are not good enough. We're not perfect. You have to be perfect to go to a perfect place. And he says there's not even any that's good. There's none righteous. So a man cannot save himself by his works. The Bible says Jesus Christ loved us. And he was going to do something for us. So this hand representing Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin because our sins separates us from him.
So Jesus Christ took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead, and said that if we would believe he did it for us, he would put this payment he made to our account. We go to heaven on what Christ did. You don't earn eternal life. You cannot work for it. It is the gift of God. For by grace are you saved. You're saved by grace. It means you don't deserve it. You don't merit it. You don't merit it. That means there's nothing you have to stop, to qualify, to give up, promise to do. It's free. He paid for your sins. So when you accept this payment, you have a payment for all of your sins. You got a payment for all of your sins. That means you have paid for all of your sins. It means you don't have to pay for them. It means you don't go to hell because you have paid for your sins. I paid all my sin debt through Christ. He did it for me and put it to my account. And it's not put to yours until you believe He did it for you. So why am I going to heaven when I die? Because I have accepted Him as my Savior. I believe that what He did, He did it for me. And God says He'll remember my sins no more. I have eternal life and I'm going to heaven not because of any good thing I've done, but because of what Christ did on the cross for me. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you do it right now? Would you just simply say something like this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I realize I've done wrong. And I know that the payment must be made. I'm guilty. But Jesus died on that cross and paid for my sins, and I will accept Him as my payment for my sin. And friend, if you will do that, God said He puts that payment to your account, and you get to go to heaven because of what Christ did for you. He loves you that much. Would you trust Him? With heads bowed, eyes closed, and no one looking around, I'm not going to have you stand up or come forward, but I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting if you will trust Christ as your Savior. So I'm going to ask for a raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And you will trust Christ as your Savior. And I'd like to know. And I'd like to pray for you in closing. Is there anyone at all? Say, preacher, that made sense to me. I will trust Christ as my Savior this morning. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? Anyone at all? If you're watching by internet, you can do the same thing. And right there on the screen, if you don't mind, would like to know, would you just say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. Our Father, we thank you again for your blessings, for all that you've done for us. And Father, we ask your blessings upon each one here as they contemplate the things that maybe they need to get corrected. Because as we remember that when Christ died, he died for us. He paid for our sins. And that one day we look forward to his coming again. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth his life. So we pray, Lord, that as we remember today, not only the great country that we do live in, though it could be a lot better, we know we're looking for a heavenly country wherein dwelleth righteousness. But until then, we pray, Lord, that we'll always remember who we are and what you did for us as we look to you in this moment. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.